0: Right. Everybody say praise the Lord. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And the presence of the Lord is here. Appreciate the praise team. That was, that was awesome. Wasn't that a new, wasn't that first song brand new? I have never heard us do that. That was awesome. Well, they're all awesome, but I mean, that was just really extra special tonight. Grab your Bibles, let's turn if you would. We're going to, we're preaching from Isaiah, uh, from the, we're going to refer to Isaiah, but we're preaching from the book of Ezra. A couple of things tonight that are revelations to me and my heart, but we're going to uh, read from Ezra chapter 1 and want to have you stand long, so let's just jump right in. Then we're going to read from Ezra chapter 2, so we're going to read a couple verses from both chapters. And uh, you don't have to run and jump or uh, jump through a ring of fire or anything, because that's just totally up to you. If you want to sleep and you need a pillow, uh, you know, we, we got pillows around here somewhere. I know that we had some anyway. So we'll help you out any way we can, but how many came to receive something from the Lord tonight? Praise God. Wasn't that a great message that we heard this morning? The Lord used that to get our hearts in tune for the season, and I thank the Lord for it. We're going to go a different direction. We're in a series, and I hate that you you have five or six sermons in a series and folks miss uh, most of them, but... Uh, we're going to continue our series, uh, what, we, what I'm calling the Restoration Series, which is a look at Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther in the Bible. But we're reading tonight from Ezra chapter 1, so we're backing up from where we were last time. Ezra 1 and verse 1, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Can you say amen? That he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. So we're looking at a humble king. It's refreshing to hear someone in leadership with some humility. So here we have a king who says, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me or ordered me To build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? In other words, how many are you out there? His God. Everyone say, how many? All right. His God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. That's an amazing that's an amazing proclamation. And Ezra is making certain that every nation, every generation will remember that Cyrus was moved upon by God. Now, let's go over to chapter 2. and I know, Give me a second, and then we'll sit down. Verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one unto his city. They came again unto Jerusalem. Everybody say again. Restoration means it can happen again. God can do it again, and we're believing God to do it again. Verse 2, and this is the last verse, which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliaia, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvai, Rehim, and Ba'ana. The number of the men of the people of Israel. Everyone say the number. So I want to talk tonight. I'm going to entitle this message, Zerubbabel's number. But let's, let's get a little more specific. All right? How many can help me preach and help me pray tonight? All right? You've never heard this. Anybody ever heard this sermon before? All right? I've never preached it. I've never heard it preached. So you may have heard it, but if you hear it from me, and we're going to entitle this tonight, Zerubbabel's zip code. Does that work? They counted the number. What was the number? So we're going to look for Zerubbabel's zip code. Anybody believe the Holy Ghost can work tonight? Put your Bible down, and let's pray together and ask God to anoint the word tonight. Father, take this frail vessel tonight. Use it to preach the truth and the glory of God. Lord, I pray that just as Zerubbabel was used of God, that you will help us and anoint us tonight. Lord, let us see that just as you move then, you are moving in these last days. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for standing. So God's timing led to divine restoration. So we've been looking at several things here. And uh, we're going to rehearse that a little bit. But God's got a timing. And so it is that it, sometimes it, it seems frustrating. You look around and, and every sports star and every newscaster and every movie star says nothing matters. Live any way you want. They're telling our young people that nothing matters. But God is still Lord in the heavens. And God knows what he's doing. You ought to say amen to that. So God's timing led to divine restoration, though it seemed impossible. It didn't seem that it was possible that it could happen. Does anybody need something impossible to happen in your life? Anybody have any children that need to be saved that are not on the straight and narrow? Any of you have grandchildren that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Then this is the message for you. This is the time that God had a plan, and he brought it about. Now, it began with a king by the name of Cyrus, who was the most powerful man on earth. And the Bible says the Lord stirred up the king of Cyrus. So you, you get the, that's the translation, but you, uh, if you, you get the idea. The Lord stirred up and was the one involved in bringing this king uh, to where he was. The Bible says that the Lord stirred him up to build a house. And, of course, it was the temple, the house of God. And that is exactly what we are doing. We are building the kingdom of God, building up the house of God. The devil says it can't happen. The devil says it won't happen, that your children will not be saved, that your neighbors will not, they'll have no interest, that everybody's just too busy, uh, just we're an adulteress, nobody cares. But I tell you tonight, they are hungry for God, and we can see a restoration that brings people into the very things of God, and he will use anybody at his disposal. He is able to even stir up the king, the greatest man in the entire world. And so he did with Cyrus. To build him and house. So Nebuchadnezzar was in trouble. Because Nebuchadnezzar was uh, was the man that destroyed the house of God. And, I, and let me tell you, my friend. You don't want to be the one that is involved in tearing down what is right and what is true. Someone said, well, I, I don't believe that anymore. Well, if it's right and true, you need to keep believing it. Hallelujah. You need to love the word of God and the things of God. So God... Has a man? It may not be Nebuchadnezzar, but that man is Zerubbabel. Now, sometimes I'll say Zerubbabel. Sometimes it, I, I often thought I'm not going to preach about Zerubbabel because I talk too fast and I can't say Zerubbabel very fast. <laughs> And I want to say it fast. So I've already resigned myself to saying whatever I have to say. I'm going to preach this message. Now, of course, it's actually Zerubbabel or Babel. In other words, it's a reference. Uh, well, let's not get into the Hebrew meaning of the name yet. But Zerubbabel or Zerubbabel, sometimes when I want to say it fast, it's just as well to say Zerubbabel. And, uh, and so I often wonder, why do you never hear a sermon? It's in the word of God. You hear Noah, you hear, you hear Joshua, you hear John, you hear Peter, you hear the apostles. But what about Zerubbabel? Well, Zerubbabel was a man of God. And just because nobody can pronounce his name is no reason to forget what he has done praise God let's put our hands together and thank God that he knows exactly where we are hallelujah he knows he can count the numbers now I'm going to preach a little while so I want you to get comfortable if you want to go off to sleep if you need to if you need oxygen I don't know if we have oxygen but we probably do somewhere uh, if nothing else we could uh, get some bottled air or something get it in here to help you out. Okay now so I'm just going to preach you if you need to sleep I don't want you to feel bad. I'm not going to run back there and say wake up. I'm not going to say oh you are are you bored with Zerubbabel? No I'm just going to preach it because I'm telling you tonight that our generation needs exactly what that generation needed we need a revival we need to be restored in the Holy Ghost. We're in a generation scared to death to live holy but Zerubbabel was not afraid to preach right Righteousness. He was God's man, and he used the greatest king in the entire world to make the difference. And so it is. Here we are in an exciting time like the holidays are upon us. And next week we're going to celebrate with uh, all kinds of things, and we've been talking about it for several days. And uh, we're going to give the best gift to Jesus, and uh, we believe in that. We believe we should give to Start Churches the Christmas for Christ is one of the greatest things the apostolic movement's ever done to raise millions of dollars every year to start churches. How many will lift your hands and say, "Lord, send revival. Let churches be started all around this world, and let me be a part of it." Praise God. I'm not ashamed to say we need to put turkeys on some people's table. I'm not ashamed of that. Hey, if you if you got a turkey on your table, and you want to take it off and give it to somebody that needs it. There's nothing wrong with that. Someone said, "Well, you're just uh, you're uh, you're a sap." I don't know where we're getting all these words. Uh, You're just a sap. Someone said, well, if they shed a tear, you're going to give them a little something. They don't have to shed a tear. If they need something and I'm able to do it, I'm not going to close my heart off to them. The Bible says, open your heart to people. But anyway, that's another sermon. All right, so uh, tonight I feel led to preach uh, from Ezra, not from from, uh, Matthew and the angel saying a child is born. That's all, uh, we're, we'll be working on that all the next few days. But in this series, we've had two messages on Esther. The first one I entitled Eternity's Destiny Out of Obscurity. So God used a girl that nobody thought could, had no idea. Who would have ever thought a young, beautiful woman who was a godly, Gorgeous. We preached the whole sermon. God used her to attract a king who had no righteousness whatsoever. He had no mind to, to, to do the will of God at all. But God brought a destiny to a queen that was in God's plan. And so she had zero credentials. You know, a lot of times we think, well, how can God use us? I believe that God can use this church in the last days to be a witness of righteousness. And God has a plan, and that plan prevailed through Esther. They had every intention. The next sermon in the Esther series I entitled, For Such a Time, where God used Esther to keep Haman from eradicating the Jewish nation. It was absolutely a Nazi intention that they were going to eradicate the people of God. I want to tell you something. The devil is not playing around. He intends to steal the truth from your your children, but we're not going to let it happen. We're going to stand for the word of God. Hallelujah. Now I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. Okay, now, so God used Esther to, 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 uh, to bring about the salvation of the Jewish people. And then, of course, we've got two. Of course, we haven't even got to Nehemiah, but we've got two in the series of Ezra which is, I love, I've been praying, Lord, let me preach from Ezra. I, even if they sleep through the whole thing. Even if they snore through it. I want to preach about Ezra. If they think Zerubbabel is the silliest name ever was, I want to preach about a man that was able to get a hold of God's plan. And God used him to shake the king himself. But we've done it in reverse because Esther follows. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Maybe it works itself into this in a way that's okay. So it is that we looked at... Ezra last time in a sermon we entitled, How to Bring Restoration. Can you say that with me? How to bring restoration. That is, how did Ezra accomplish a fallen Israel bringing them back into truth? Now, here's what I hear among apostolics. Oh, once you leave the truth, you never come back. Well, that's hogwash. That's a lie. Some say, once your kids are gone, once they run out after the world, then they're never coming. That is a lie from hell. Restoration is a heartbeat of God's people. When people fall from grace and run from the kingdom of God, just like we preached the other day, Jonah ran from the face of God. But God had a plan to draw him back. Anybody that believes that restoration is impossible because it happens to be your grandbabies and they used to know the truth and now they've decided that they'd rather be at a sports function than the house of God or they'd rather be cursing and lying than to be praising praise on their lips, then you are the problem. You've got to believe that there is nothing too hard for God and that your children and your neighbors and your city, this is not a city that we've given up on. This is a city that we believe God for. So Ezra brought restoration. And we preached a whole sermon on how he brought the Bible. But of course, he by bringing the Bible out, he reversed the worldliness of Israel. And until you reverse the worldliness, you know, the American Christian church is in very serious trouble with God. Well, they're as wealthy as they can be, but they are very seriously in trouble with God. But all they would have to do is reverse the pagan uh, Hollywood stupidity. Forgive me for using that word. Um, I meant to say uh, foolishness. I meant to say foolishness. That's the word I wanted to use. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? And so Ezra turned around their worldliness by bringing the word of God. Folks. Any message that's not predicated upon the Word of God is a failed. It's a failed hope. There's, you're not going to accomplish it because you jump around. And I mean, I'm all for jumping around. You probably noticed that. But I, hey, folks, just because you're excited or because you, you got a big crowd, or you got money, you drive this kind of car, you're doing this, or you're doing. Hey, what's going to matter is, are you building upon the word of God or are you doing this because you're full of worldliness? There are people that sit in churches that are filled with the world. They are not listening to God. And that's why they are not being filled with the Holy Ghost. But you get the world out of there. You
1: get an Ezra
0: preaching. So that was the first in the series. The second is tonight's, and I'm preaching from the message "Zerubbabel's Zip Code." You notice when I want to say it slow, I say "Zerubbabel" because that's pretty much the way. That's really the whole proper way. Like some people say, you know, Talmadge. I have the wonderful joy of people thinking that that's my last name. No matter what I say, that's my first name. Well, Reverend Talmadge, and I say, well, thank you, but my name is French. My My name is French. That's my family name. My, my first name is, is Talmadge. I, because I live a couple blocks from Talmadge Lake. So I finally, you know, I've fought I've this for eight years ever since I've been here. They would say, are you related? Are you related to the Talmadges? Well, no. Um, I never lived in Georgia. I don't, never heard of them, uh, of the Talmadges. <clears throat> but, but no, no. But even, uh, you know, that's my first name. See, not my last name. I'm not related to the Talmages. That's my first name. Yeah, but are you like related to the Talmages? No, uh, uh, but I, I, hey, a long time ago, I quit that. I found out that I could get away with a lot of things. I could say, see this lake here named Talmadge? See this road? So Zerubbabel was right on target. God knew where he should be. Does anybody believe God's got his eyes on the apostolic tabernacle here tonight? We just lift our hands and thank God. He's got his hands. He's got his eyes on the church. He knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, at the center of restoration was the rebuilding of the temple. That's why Zerubbabel is so important. Because Zerubbabel is the man that had the desire. Had uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the, can you help him with? Uh, uh, well, yes. Because it's it, that's like bubble, but but Babel is El. I'm just helping him out here, just because um, they're gonna probably fix that as we go. Doctor, tell them the truth, that's okay, because. Um, the folks that are sleeping aren't gonna notice it anyway. All right, so Zerubbabel. See, like a bell is B-E-L, that's what the Zerubbabel. Now, there may be somewhere somebody spell, I mean you can spell things all kinds of ways, but the the King James spelling is Zerubbabel. Now, it is the rebuilding of the temple that is central to restoration. Can you say amen? In other words, the house of God is central to revival. There's no such thing. Someone said, well, I can get by by just watching television. Well, I I got news for you. Hey, let me tell you, the last thing you need is more television, but that's not the point. You cannot get by with just television. You need the house of God. And it is the center of restoration. Its destruction began in the year 587 B.C. by Nebuchadnezzar. Everyone say 587. 587, that's almost 600 years before the birth of Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar came in and wiped out the temple. The Babylonians, of course, he was the king of of Babylon. uh, They destroyed the temple that David's son Solomon built And Solomon died in nine thirty one. So that was uh, a number of years uh, before. So since Solomon's death, the temple had stood there for four hundred and forty four years. So from the time I'm not saying it had stood there longer, but I'm only taking it from the death of Solomon. So Solomon builds the temple. It was literally a it was like. It was like Azusa Street. It was the beginning of the greatest nation of Jewish people that had ever existed. And 444 years later, Nebuchadnezzar walks in and smashes that thing. the ground. Some people say, and I'm not going to preach about this, but some people say certain historians argue that they literally pushed it off of the foundation and that over the years you couldn't even find the foundation, that it it was buried under all kinds of stuff and and dirt and the winds had blown sand and all of that. And so it was that the temple was destroyed. That Before all of this, the two kingdoms, the nation of Israel had split in half because nobody could get along. It sounds like America to me. A nation that is divided that they cannot see for, for their, in front of their eyes because they're too busy wanting this. And they're so filled with their own riches. They have no idea what they're doing. But the northern kingdom was itself that was 10 of the tribes they were obliterated by the Assyrians in 722 BC so in other words the Assyrians had come along uh, Solomon was dead by 931 by 722 so I'm just giving you an idea the Assyrians had wiped out the northern kingdom everything that they had given themselves for every day of worship every altar service it was gone and there were only two tribes left. They called those the, that nation down in what we call the southern kingdom, which uh, you get the idea. Uh, they called it Judah. That's what they called it. And Judah was just to Judah and Benjamin. It was just those two. Uh, two tribes and uh, they comprised and they continued on. And uh, so. It was 135 years later before Judah would follow in the same path that Israel, because the northern kingdom was called Israel, but I don't like to call it that because really the whole nation was Israel. I prefer to call it the Northern Kingdom, but it doesn't matter. The Northern Kingdom fell, and then 135 years later, you know, there are, there are the naysayers. You know, everybody's going, to, everybody's going to quit. Eventually, nobody's going to care. Let me tell you, my friend, God's got a people, and there is no devil that will ever stop it. You will not stop God's people.
1: Praise God.
0: 135 years was a long time. Those Jews in exile in foreign lands longed for restored Jerusalem. They wanted to see Jerusalem again. And so it was I'm I'm describing the years before Zerubbabel and before uh, the obstacles that he would face. And I wish so much I could preach this. I want to preach this that uh, they they would begin to long because let me tell you, my friend, once you've tasted of the heavenly things, nothing else is ever going to satisfy your soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing like the presence of God. Can we just lift our hands and let's just make it, let's kind of, let's make some commitments as we're going along here. So this restoration, Judah's fallen, Israel's fallen, basically the people of God, the temple's destroyed. That's a horrible thing. But guess what? Even in their scattered, we call that exile, but uh, in their captivity, that's called exile. Some people call it exilic, meaning that the people of God, uh, it looked like the devil was just, man, he was over there. having. They were, they were, uh, uh, what would the devil, if he had an instrument, what would he be playing? Whatever he was playing, it wouldn't be the piano because it's gorgeous. I don't want to say an instrument because someone's going to feel bad at me. Uh, so we'll just leave that alone too. I can't seem to preach anything, all right? And so the devil came along, and, and I mean, he was thinking, oh, man, we've got this wrapped up. We've destroyed everything that David, who was a man after God's own heart, we've destroyed everything he stood for and loved, and we've wiped it off the face of the earth. And Nebuchadnezzar he walked in there. He had zero respect for it. I mean, at least I can say that some of the barbers and uh, they uh, around when I first came to Georgia, they uh, which barber going to because my hair is so beautifully cut and all. And so um, so they would say uh, I'd go in and I would not meet them, and I'd walk in, sit down and I was going to introduce myself. And they'd go blankety, blankety, blank, man, what a blank blankety blank is. Well, you got to figure that out if you don't understand that. Sorry, we might ought to take that out of the. Is that, I'm sorry, I thought blankety-blank was okay. Um, uh, so, um, and they would say these things. And, and they would say, just laughing, you know, blankety-blank. I mean, um, um, <laughs> words they shouldn't be saying. And then they would say, you know, and, 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 and what do you do for a living? I couldn't wait. I was sitting there waiting. Couldn't wait for them to ask me that. I said, well, I'm the new preacher in town. Over at Aptab. Oh, well, uh, uh, I'm I'm a deacon in my church. I never met a barber in the state of Georgia that's not a deacon in their church. And And, I mean, they backed up. Oh, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. It was just... Complete reversal. Now, I'm saying that because it's kind of uh, interesting. But I'm saying it because I'd much rather someone have respect and say, well, you're a preacher. So I'm going to I'm going to you might say, well, that's hypocritical. I'd rather be a hypocrite than to defy the very things of God. See, America's had a memory of righteousness for a very long time, but we are quickly losing it. And I tell you tonight that there is no devil that can steal what God has placed in his church. Hallelujah. So none of this would ever be taken care of until Babylon is out of the way. And Babylon was not defeated by Cyprus. I mean, Cyrus, I'm sorry, Cyrus. Until 539. And so Zerubbabel would not get his zip code. He would not get his orders. He would not get his, his, uh, his, his papers. He, he had to wait two years. It was like Zerubbabel was saying, listen, king, I want to talk to you. I've got to tell you. I've got to get back to Jerusalem. I can't stay here. I've got to get into the, the very place that God has called me to be. Yeah, but your name is Aruba Bell. You need to get a new name. See, that's the way we are. We got to market everything. You know, we think if we compromise with the devil, everybody will come around. They'll pat us on the back, and the mayor will give us this big award, and and the whatever, whatever, whatever. And they probably would. There's no... Problem. I don't. I love awards. It'd be great. I'd rather have a Christmas present. But anyway, uh, whatever it is. But uh, let me tell you, my friend, compromising with the world will get us nowhere. And once Nebuchadnezzar was destroyed and uh, Cyrus had taken over, he was the king of media, Persia. Now, the Bible only says Persia. And uh, it's technically true. Uh, You could have called it Persia. But it's technically media Persia. That was the kingdom that overtook 50 years after the destruction of the temple. Uh, Persia, media Persia destroyed Babylon just as thoroughly as Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple. And let me say this, you know, you reap what you sow. You reap what you you have no mercy, then you will see no mercy. The Bible says this. if 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 you want to be something, then you need to exhibit this. And so it was that God said, I'm going to demonstrate that I can bring this about through national leaders that have no interest whatsoever in your religious affiliation. But I will use them. And I'm talking to somebody here tonight. We live in a day when we need to be praying like never before. God, turn our government around. Turn our nation around. It is only the prayers of God's people that are going to saturate the heavens. And the angels are going to get involved when we pray. Does anybody believe that tonight? Hey, that God is going to get involved. And so it was Cyrus that gave the orders. To a young Jewish leader to go back. It was Cyrus. The year was five thirty-seven. He got the orders, and and uh, I, I wish I had one of those Sunday school. Uh, we had those beautiful Sunday school certificates. It's probably a little nicer than that. Have you got a piece of paper? Oh, this isn't as gorgeous as I wanted, but we'll use this. And it said to the honorable. Zerubbabel, you are ordered by word of the king of media, Persia, Cyrus, the king, to now go back to your land and your people and begin the restoration of your people. This was a dream that Zerubbabel had had his entire life. You know, there are people that aren't just dreaming about shooting basket hoops and and how much money they're going to put in the bank. There are people all over Jonesboro that are saying, Lord, show me what to do. Show me how to live. Show me where to go. Let the Holy Ghost guide my life. And they are waiting for somebody that knows how to go back to the foundation in Jerusalem. Praise God. Let's put our hands together and thank God for it. That young man's name was Zerubbabel. Praise God. Not everybody's waiting around to become more and more worldly. No, Zerubbabel has a place, a location. He's got to be. He's got to go. He's not going to give in to the, the urges of the, this generation. He's of a different make. He has a different desire. Now somebody had to be the one yielded to the destiny of God's plan and people, if there were to be a temple for Jesus to visit, and that somebody was Arubabel. If there was going to be a place where the baby was anointed and 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 dedicated, we might say, then there had to be someone who was willing to take that step when everybody said it's 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 not like it used to be it's not like it was oh brother brother Cole is gone and 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 nobody these days you know how it is these days hey folks i want to tell you it, there's always been sin from day 1 and i know that we're living in 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 evil days but how many have anybody ever heard of the days of noah they weren't exactly wonderful but guess what god had a man And God had a plan and he saved the people through that plan. Esther would not. Save the Jews from Haman until 480. So that was another 57 years. And Ezra wouldn't be there for 79 years. From the time that Zerubbabel received that paper and said, I'm going to go back. I don't know who's going. I don't know what's going to happen. But Lord, send me quickly to get back. We've got to get back to where we were. We've got to find those foundations. Give me a shovel. Someone said, well, we'll miss the late show if we do that. If you, if you hang around those folks, you can't even chew gum. This is my favorite. And I always say, no, we can't chew gum. We're allowed, we, we're allowed to chew gum. They're so worried about what they can't do. Let me tell you, my friend, we could give up heaven and earth if we knew that we could have what God intends for us to have. You can take, you ever heard the, the song, Take This Whole World, But Give Me Jesus? Anybody feel that way tonight? Take this whole world, But Give Me Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, 79 years before Ezra would even step on the scene, nearly 80 years, that's, that's a lifetime. 80 years is a lifetime for most people. But God had promised, God had already determined that He'd bring Israel back. Can you say praise the Lord? Now, I want to mention this because it makes the liberals so mad. So since I don't care about it, I'm going to mention it. Not just because it makes them mad, but, but because I don't care that it makes them mad. I just don't care. I just don't care. Someone was telling me the other day, well, you know the book of Isaiah wasn't written by Isaiah. I said, oh, oh, no, I didn't know that. Of course, I teach Hebrew, and of course, I know Hebrew, and i studied... Uh, have you <clears throat> studied any of these guys that don't believe Isaiah wrote a word? So you want to say, well, then why is it named Isaiah? Well, just, just wonder what, why I... Why is it called Isaiah, you know, if he never wrote a word of it? Well, he probably wrote a few words of it. The last guy I talked to, he said... Uh, we were talking about... Well, it was a long... It was a kind of a deep discussion... And and he was telling me that Isaiah was actually written by four separate people. Oh, I wonder what their names were. Oh, we don't have a clue what their names were. And uh, so he was explaining that the reason that we know that Isaiah couldn't have written it is because he prophesied things hundreds of years before they happened. And then they happened exactly like he prophesied. Oh, I said, well, we can't have that. We can't have a prophet giving prophecies that are so clear that when they come to pass, people say, oh, that was a prophecy that came to pass. So that had to be written by someone after the prophecy came to pass. So I said, so just humor me because I already knew. I mean, Isaiah studies are not that unusual to hear people r- r- read about it and so on. And... Uh, He said, yes, there are at least four separate sections where things came to pass that were impossible to come to pass uh, for Isaiah to have known. And that's when I sort of started acting like I was in the room. And I said, "Um, unless, of course, God, who knows everything, spoke to Isaiah and said to his prophet, I'm going to give you. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you this. It's a little secret. And it's going to make the, some of the folks that go run through that wall and went to fix the wall. Someone already ran through one of the walls. Have you seen that? Okay. Someone keeps running into the walls. And, folks, that's not the Pentecostals around here. That's somebody else running into those walls. And so, <clears throat> so the Lord said, Isaiah, listen. Because this was like the eve. This prophecy probably was written about 722. It was, I, I'm going to guess. I don't know. Nobody knows. If somebody tells you they know exactly the day that something Isaiah wrote was written, then you need to just say, okay? Nobody knows. So I have as well as good a chance of guessing it as anybody that when Isaiah said this temple is going to be destroyed gonna come back and you listen to me i say i want to tell you this so bad i want you to know the name (laughs) oh i wish the liberals were in here i'd love to see them me crawling on my knees like this so so
1: so i'm gonna tell you the name of the man i'm gonna talk he's
0: gonna hold the power of the world in his hand. See, if they don't do this in Paraguay, you get right back here, all right? So, I'm gonna tell you what his
1: name is. Nobody could pull this off. But I've been working on this for generations. And when the temple is about to be restored, the man's is King Simon. King Simon. Folks, I want to tell you,
0: most people will tell you if that is a true prophecy, in other words, if it's not a fake, then that is one of the most amazing proofs of God in the entire Bible. That God could tell a prophet. In 722, or he died in 680, so somewhere in there. If he can speak to the prophet and say, the man who will restore this temple is a
1: fellow named Cyrus.
0: Folks, what I'm I'm trying to talk to somebody here tonight. We need to quit drowning out the whispers of the Holy Ghost in our heart. Sometimes God is trying to say, I'm trying to do a work in your life. But you've got to be willing to listen to what I'm saying. You've got to be willing to let me do. And I'm telling you the day's coming. That's why Zerubbabel was there. He said, the king, don't you know? This is, a, this is my version. I wish I had. Does anybody have a huge Bible? I need a Bible the size of, like, Texas. Anybody? Said, Brother French, what, what are you using that little thing? We need. Okay, this is the biggest I'm going to have. All right, so. Oh King, oh King, oh King, where'd my steps go? Oh King, okay, look here, King. You, you're not. <laughs> oh, King. oh King, now most people think it was Daniel that did this, but but I, I hey, I got a brain, I got a brain, and. Uh, Oh, King, look here. These are from the scrolls of the Jewish people whose temple is destroyed. And I've had it in my heart my whole life to go back. (laughs) And I want you to see what it says. And he turns to Isaiah. Of course, the scrolls are huge. And I know this wouldn't have been easy. Of course, if you're a king and you own everything, bringing the scroll in is really not that big of a deal. Now, if it's in your living room and you're pauper, Getting a scroll in there's almost impossible. But this was the king, the most powerful man in the world, and Zerubbabel is pulling the say I don't have a scroll, that's why I needed a really big Bible so we could pretend a little bit. And he comes to me. there it is, Isaiah 44. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see, O king? And he's reading and then and then he says and listen, listen, listen. It said in thy thou, O King, Cyrus. I will have called you to build my house again. (laughs) Now, this meant that not only did God have to know his name and know, of course, he knows everything. But I'm just talking about the odds of this ever happening. But he had to also know the heart. You know, not many kings, you and I. In fact, some of this I got from the guy that told me this was impossible. Impossible. At the end, he was his voice was even getting a little bit lilted, and he was a liberal. And I said, well, "You better be careful. You're going to sound like a Pentecostal here in a minute," because he was really getting upset that that I wasn't buying the fact that God couldn't speak to Isaiah. Now there's no anger, just a little bit of his voice was getting just a little lilted. I said, "You're sounding a little Pentecostal there." In your denial of Isaiah, but I said, wouldn't it be something if God knew from the annals of time that Cyrus, his mother, would wean him and love him in such a way that he would rule the nations in such a way that when he saw it in the book. Some people say, and I know this is anecdotal, but some people say that Cyrus was shown the prophecy and he was so moved by it. He said, how can I? Now, this is is not what Scripture says. The Bible says he... Uh, what did we say a moment ago, he stirred him. So maybe that, I mean that's good enough for me. But I'm just saying I'm being a little, uh, a little, <laughs> a little free here. And so that, but, but many uh, scholars say that when he when he saw his name in the holy scriptures, Hallelujah, that he said, "This is my destiny. <laughs> I must do. My name is there. I must do." Now, some Christian tells me, well, God couldn't do that, and so that has to be fake. The Bible's wrong. But Cyrus didn't think so. Cyrus said, I'm going to build a house for God. Does anybody believe that God is able to restore? He can use anybody, anywhere, anytime. Praise God. That's the kind of God that we serve. Can we lift our hands and thank him for the miraculous, for the supernatural? Lord, we're not just talking about jumping up and down. Anybody can jump up and down. We're talking about the power of God to transform hearts and lives and to bring revival and turn people around. Ha, <laughs> ha, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So Cyrus... His name was uttered 150 years before he made the decree that Zerubbabel would use that is the stamp of his zip code, his location, when he saw that Cyrus had come to the throne and and that the children of Israel were going to be under the thumb and under the control. Of course, the Medes and the Persians were an entirely different uh, type of, leadership. The, the Babylonians, uh, that's a whole other story. But the, but the Medes were, were very interested in education and, and they wanted to be civil and they were very much into, see, Nebuchadnezzar was into the gold and, and the pomp and all that. But the Medes, they were into talking it out and, and doing the right thing. They were an interesting culture of people. But who would have known that just at the moment when God's people had been drugged through the mud and the temple was gone, here's a young young man that I doubt five people in this room, if we turn the screen off, could even spell his name now after seeing it up there for, for the last two hours that I've been preaching. But you would not even be able to spell the name of the man that God said. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Now, it would have been nice. I've often said, Lord, couldn't you have named him? Tom. I went through a phase oh I can't. Oh, oh my goodness we might want to stop the tape on this <clears throat> my oldest brother's name was Thadis, I don't want my folks to hear this and my older brother uh, under him was Treatise, are these kind of new names to you Thadis is a bible name, Treatise is a, well we can't say anything about that uh, Treatise not treatise, That that's a word. Treat us is a name that my folks made up. They made it up. And then Talmadge was my neighbor. My folks said there was a little neighbor. I asked them for years, how did you find the name Talmadge? They said, well, we had a little neighbor boy. He was." I said, was he a genius? Oh, no, no, no. So I was just trying to figure out what it was. They named me Talmadge after after him, and I went through a phase as a as a boy that I, you know, of course I learned to tell, spell Talmadge immediately, and I liked it. and And of course, after this, after this little phase, so I would tell people, "What is your name?" Even now, we go to the restaurant, and they'll say, "And who? What's the name?" And I'll say, "Ryan," <laughs> just to help them out. Because I, all, I know exactly what it will be when I say, when, I do it a lot just because I, you know, I want to do this too sometimes. But I'll say, uh, they'll say, and, and what's the, especially Taco Bell. I love to do it at Taco Bell. Um, and what's the name? Talmadge. I always get that, which I call the dead look, the dead stare. You know, they, they're in there, they're handing out tacos like this. And then you say Talmadge and they go, And you know what's next, right? Can you spell that? Well, no, it's my name. I mean, yeah, I can spell that, but why don't you just put Tom down or something like that? Because I can answer to Tom like I can anything. So as a boy, younger than Talmadge here on the front row, I would say, uh, I would pretend my name was Tom. Tom. And people would meet me, and I, they'd say, what's your name? Tom. My name's Tom. And people would, and I got to noticing people were like, oh, Tom. Oh, hey, OK. You know, like I was nothing. And I got to thinking, man, if my name was Tom, I'd just be nothing over here. But if I'd say, you know, this little kid, you know, when you're six years old, and they say, oh. <laughs> I'm trying to be careful, because I realize I've got myself in a mess. Um, <clears throat> And you say, and you're six, and you look up, and you're like, uh, uh, you know, that's about first grade. Uh, and so you look up, and, and you walk in, and they say, uh, what's your name? And you say, "Talmage." Almost every time they go, huh? And I got to where, I mean, very soon after I was Tom for a few weeks, I got to where I loved it. I loved it, and so I got to where they say, "Well, can you spell that?" I'd say, "No, but can you? What well, you tell me? What do you think?" Uh, uh, almost nobody gets it. So here's a fellow named Zerubbabel. I don't think he was. It was, uh, this is a cultural thing. I have, I have no doubt that Zerubbabel in the restoration period of Israel was as common as saying almost any word. I'm not uh, insinuating that he actually had some hang up about his name. What I'm trying to say is that while even, it's just a handy little way to say that even though people might look down upon him or look and, and he, certainly the king, who in the world is Zerubbabel? Now we know because Ezra tells us he was the son of Shaliel and so we know that that was Uh, a, a grandson of King Jehoiakim. So we know that he, I mean, we could go there. But, and so, yeah, we have a little bit of understanding. But Zerubbabel never said, look who I am. He said, I want you to know that our God knew your name, O king, before you were even born. And God has ordained it. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I want to preach this. Can we put our hands together and thank God tonight? Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is able to send revival. Now, I'm I'm not even halfway into my message tonight, so we're just going to have to say the series is going to continue because I can tell that, Nothing I do is going to change that. But I wonder tonight if we could lift our hearts and ask God to send a revival to the church in this last days. Lord, we don't care what people think about us. We don't have to be great, educated, rich. We don't have to have a name of any kind. What we need is restoration, oh God. We need to find the foundations of the house of God and find a way to restore it To the people of God. So that they can become everything you mean for them to be. And Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I have a dilemma. Because I have not reached a point in this message to where I can give you Zerubbabel zip code. And I wanted so desperately to do it. And so I'm not going to destroy a message as powerful as this, (laughs) and and give you the zip code. So we will have to uh, pick it up here. I'm not even halfway through, but I believe the Holy Ghost is calling us. Now you say, why would you preach this at the beginning of December? That's something you should preach at the beginning of January. Well, I think God knows better than any of us here. And the Holy Ghost is directing us. And here's what I believe God is saying. Get ready for the greatest revival this church has ever seen in all of its history. Come on, stand with me. I want the musicians to come. We're going to come and pray and we're going to ask God to direct us. If he can whisper a name. If he can whisper a name to a prophet, if he can get us back to the foundations and help us build that temple, then God is able to make us what we ought to be. I wonder if we come on, come on, gather with me. I don't want to hold you all night. I want you to come and we're going to pray together. Whatever your need is, I want you to come and just say, Lord, I've got a need right now. You can talk to him and he's going to speak to you. He's going to whisper things to you that are impossible for you to know. But he's going to tell you things That he's going to do in your life. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's getting ready to talk to us. Does anybody have a need here tonight? I I don't want you to think about anybody else. Do you have a need here tonight? Something that's going on in your life? I wonder if you could just get a little closer. And I want you to just lift your hand up whatever way you feel and say, Jesus, I need you to talk to me right now. I need your strength and your blessing and your hope and your power. That's it. Come on, Father, right now. Lord, I pray. That's it. Just say, Jesus, I need help. I need an answer. Lord, I need your strength. Lord, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm putting my trust in you right now. Whisper to my heart, Lord. Talk to my heart, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Without me don't, don't do it without me one more oh, time oh whatever, whatever you do in this season don't do it without me don't revival don't we need revival hallelujah me. I want to be saved Lord, oh I, I want to be saved oh, 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 oh Jesus
1: don't, do it, don't do it
0: oh hallelujah don't do it without, without me, me. just sing that again but but do we I know we're gonna have to have to go I know we have to go but Few nights ago, I was uh, been going through some physical things that I've finally gotten through, and and uh, had the flu for a hundred years, and just things, and and I was kind of whining to the Lord, and I always hate it when I do that. Oh Lord, oh, oh Lord, oh. And the Lord just just had us all He could take. He showed me in the spirit. He showed me Bishop standing there. Sister Cole, is this okay? He showed me Bishop standing there with that hand up. But after he broke his neck and he had that hand, that hand, he kind of did like this a lot. And uh, I don't know if it's left or right, but I'll use my right. And he showed that hand up there like that doing this toward me as I was in the pulpit or Brother French in the pulpit. Sometimes he'd do that like that. Whenever he, he'd do this but when he really meant it he'd go like this. And he started reaching like he's going to run down the aisle like that. And I saw it in, in my mind's eye or in my heart. I saw it. <laughs> and the Lord said to me I didn't bring you here to lose everything that that man had a burden to bring to this city. I didn't bring you here to leave you. And I am making you a promise. This was in the Holy Ghost talking to me. Anybody glad when God starts making promises to you? I'm going to be with you exactly like I was with our bishop. And I'm going to do mighty things in the days ahead. You use every minute. I wonder if we could just lift another hand up. And could we just tell the Lord we're going to join in. We're going to be a part of it. We're going to be a part of it. Everything's going to be all right. I've heard the voice of God whispering to my spirit and helping me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother French, let's let's pray. I know you want to go. I know you want to go. Come and lead us. Dismiss us in prayer. Don't make any announcements. We've had all the announcements we can take. Just dismiss us in prayer and pray for us tonight. Would you do that?
1: Let's pray. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would go with us tonight. I pray, Lord, that a spirit of restoration and revival would be ignited in our very soul right here at the ending of this year. I pray that we would step into a new year, into a new season of revival, into a new season of strength, into a new season of anointing, O God. I pray that our faith would be restored. I pray that our passion would be restored. I pray that our prayer lives would be restored. I pray, Lord, that we would be fervent, God. I pray that you would walk with us and talk with us. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory tonight. We give you praise tonight. Bring us back this week, Lord. Keep us safe. Give us a mighty midweek service. Touch our program next week. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Turn around and hug somebody's neck and tell them we're going to make it. We're going to make it. It's going to be okay. God's taking care of us.